All right, well, good morning again. I'm glad to be back up here on the stage and look at all your smiling faces. Uh, just a reminder, this morning is our middle school Bible study uh, that meets right back here in the middle school lounge and uh, multi-purpose lounge and just a lounge for use. Um, and so uh, Kim is gathering, actually she's gathering the middle schoolers right back there in the back. And so if you're a middle schooler and would like to be a part of the middle school uh, uh, Bible study small group, uh, you just follow her and, um, and you will learn something about Jesus, I promise. All right, so if you haven't figured it out this morning, we're starting a new series of messages called Different, right? And we're just looking at what God teaches us about how we are called collectively to live different from the world around us. Now, I think last week I said this, and I have some examples this morning, but the reality is that God's just not calling us to be different just for the sake of being different. In fact, being different is kind of becoming trendy in our world today, right? Different is now becoming the norm. Different is no longer different. Different is normal. People embrace their difference. And in fact, some people get famous off of being different. And I was trying to think of people who are different. I think the, the one that first came to my mind was, yo, there he is right there. Yeah, he, she, you, what is that? that's Dennis Rodman. Y'all remember Dennis Rodman? Right? He's in the news a little bit. I mean, he's just different, right? He's like the poster boy for being, for being d- different, right? And there's other people that have kind of made their mark in, in our world by being different. There's another one, Lady, up oh, there. Yeah, Lady Gaga, if you can't tell, she has on her a meat dress. That's just nasty, right? Um, yeah, that's just, yeah, but, but, she's, but she's different. She's embracing her own individuality, her own style. I think we have one more, right? Oh, man. <laughs> it's shocking. Uh, Nicki Minaj, are you familiar with her? Just, just different. Up until now, now she's looking a lot more normal. And, and you know, a, a lot of times it's just an act. But the reality is God's not just calling us to be different for the sake of being, being different. Rather, he's calling us to live our lives differently for the glory of God and the good of our world, right? He's calling us to live our lives differently for the glory of God first and ultimately For the good of our world. So we're going to look at four different weeks, four different weeks in this series where we're going to talk about the ways that God is calling us to live differently. And we're beginning, in fact, we're going to stay this entire series in Jeremiah chapter 29. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet, right? And he wrote the book of Jeremiah. In fact, it was a, a message to the Israelites that was very important for them in their day and age. And so Jeremiah was writing this letter, uh, this message from God. The meaning of prophet means that he received messages from God and he wrote them to God's people. And so that's what the book of Jeremiah is. It's just simply Jeremiah writing to people what, what message he got uh, from God. It's kind of like a sermon, a sermon in a book. Now, all of my life, maybe not all of my life, but a good portion of my life, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible was located in Jeremiah chapter 29. Some of you probably know which verse I'm talking about just by me referencing. It's a very popular verse. Let me, let me read it, starting in verse 11. It says this. It says, um, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me. And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I will seek you. Uh, you will seek. Sorry, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Right. And so Jeremiah writes this passage of, of scripture, this verse to people, and it pops up all over the place today. Right. You can look in just about any devotional, and that scripture's there. I know the plans I have for you. You have people who lose their job.
jobs or going through a difficult point in their life and a friend gets next to them and says, hey, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. That verse over and over again in sermons and in, in all kinds of things, it pops up because it makes us feel real good, right? God knows the plans that he has for me. And that plan isn't to make me suffer like I'm suffering right now, right? But it's that there's something better that God has in store for me. And so I'm going to push on and I'm going to persevere because I know God knows the plans for me. And it includes prosperity and health. And so that was my favorite, favorite passage of Scripture. In fact, I flipped to it several times and, and, and uh, even, even misquoted it probably sometimes in some messages in the past un- until I read what came immediately before it. All right, so let, let's just read a little bit more. A little bit, we're going to start a little bit earlier in that same passage. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse, verse 4. I'm going to start there. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile, bad place. All right, read, when you read. Exile, read bad place. You don't want to be there. Into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry. Have sons and daughters. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. And give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into. Exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they encourage you to have. They are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Right? But did you notice what he said immediately before that passage? In verse 12, he said, uh, uh, no, no, verse, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed, right? I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, right? At the moment, the Israelites were in a bad place, in a bad situation, a hard place. And God says, in 70 years there, I know the plans I have for you. You see, the overarching principle in this passage to the Israelites from God was embrace the moment that you're in because some of you are going to die there, right? Embrace that moment because I know the plans I have for you and some of you aren't going to make it out of this, this hard, rough, difficult place. Embrace the moment that you're in right now. 
In fact, I can say that's a reoccurring theme in the scriptures. The scriptures are constantly encouraging us to embrace the moment that we're in, to live fully into this moment. You see, when I say embrace the moment, God is telling us over and over again to live fully in this moment. For the Israelites, the temptation was to look back and say, hey, I wish that we were back in our own land, right? Because captivity meant this. This is what happened. Just to explain a little bit of history. The Babylonians' bigger, badder power came into Jerusalem where the Israelites lived and pretty much just kidnapped people at their own will. They had the bigger weapons. They had more weapons. They had more power. They came in and just took people, just took them and carried them off to Babylon and made them serve the Babylonian king, made them live according to their rules and didn't allow them to serve their own God, didn't allow them to work the jobs that they were trained for or do the things they dreamed all their life of doing, right? They lived in captivity in in Babylon. And so they were in an extremely difficult, hard, brutal place to be. And not only did the Babylonians come once and take some, but they came again and took more, and they came again and took more. Then they burned the temple down, and they, they took their king just brutal. Whenever you read Babylonians, read, read, read uh, barbaric, read brutal, because they killed his sons in front of him and then plucked out his eyes. So that that was the last memory he had of seeing, right? So the Babylonians were extraordinarily brutal. They came in and did hard things. And yeah, the Israelites wanted to hear, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you now, plans to give you a hope and a future now and out of this place. But, but the verse before it says, you're going to stay there for 70 years. So embrace this place. Live fully in this place now. Now, the struggle this morning is to try to understand what is going on. Because the reality, for some of us, that's not the God that we know or the God we thought we knew. Right? For some of us, that message is quite discouraging because it's, it's hard to hear because we're in a hard place. And we don't want to stay there for 70 years. And so we're going to wrestle with this passage. And I'm sitting here thinking right now, maybe I shouldn't have preached this passage. It's kind of like a downer. It's a nice sunny day. All right. Um, it's a hard place to be. But God is calling us to embrace this moment. Now, this is what was happening in that time. And in, in Jeremiah chapter 28, you can read it. And you can go through it on your own. But there were these false prophets that just kind of showed up. And, and what they wanted to, they were telling the people what they wanted to hear. Now, the Bible from beginning to end is always talking about these people that are showing up in God's name, telling people what they, what they want to hear, um, but is not the truth. And so they were saying, in two years, yeah, God's coming for you. Your God's going to come for you. He's going to release you. And Jeremiah says, no, that's not true. Some of you are going to be here the rest of your life. And in fact, some of you are going to die here. You see, what's going on here is that God was calling his people in this difficult place to embrace the moment that they were in, ultimately, so they could glorify God and make an eternal difference. To embrace the moment that they're in so that they might glorify God and make an eternal difference difference. Now listen to the things that he tells them to do. And this week we're just only in the first thing that he tells them to do in order to embrace the moment. In, in verse um, 
In, in verse 5, it says this. Well, I'm going to start in verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel, to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says this. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. And so this is what, if you were in exile, the thing you want to do is, how am I going to get out of here? What's, what's the way that I can get out of here? How can I escape? And God says to them what they do not want to hear. He says, settle down, build houses plant gardens, spend some time there, right? He's telling them to have a settled mind in their difficult situation, to settle their minds in their difficult situation. Because here's what happens. At least this is me. Maybe I can only speak for myself and you can amen if I'm speaking for you as well. But when I'm in a difficult time, I'm either doing one of two things, right? I'm looking back and I'm saying, I wish things were the way they were back then. Life was so much simpler. It was so much easier. I didn't have so many things to concern myself with. I didn't have so many health challenges. I didn't have so many problems in my family. I didn't have so much mess going on. Or I'm looking forward to the future and I am saying, I can't wait till I get out of here. I know my, my destiny's just around the corner. God's got a blessing with my name on it, right? And it's right there. I can see it. At least I think I can see it. And I'm sitting there doing both of the two and I'm not living in the moment that I'm currently in. And what God is teaching his people is that you will always hinder your potential if you're living in the past, right? If you're constantly living in the past, you will never fully see God's potential and what God wants to do in your situation carried out through your life. Nor will you experience God's power most more fully if you're living in the future, just waiting for tomorrow, waiting for the days that are to come. But rather he's saying live fully now, embrace the moment you're in, I know that it's difficult, but there's space there for God to get the glory. There's space there for the good of this world. There's space to settle there. So he says, settle down, build houses, plant gardens. Now, when my wife and I, when we first got married, we were living in East Point, actually, in a little one-bedroom apartment and I always, like growing up, I always liked gardening. Like I always planted a garden at my parents' house. I don't, I don't know what it was from the time I was young. From the time I was little, I just remember planting gardens every summer. I always planted this garden. Couldn't wait to grow up and get my own house, hopefully a lot of land, and plant this garden. Well, things didn't go as planned. I ended up in a little one-bedroom apartment. We didn't even have a house plant in that apartment. I don't, I don't even know if we had space in that apartment for a plant. We were taking up too much space. One, one little bedroom and one living room. The kitchen was... It was small. Um, and, um, and so we lived there for a while, and we didn't, we didn't plant a garden. In fact, we didn't settle there for too long. And then after that, we moved to Milledgeville, Georgia, where I pastored a church down there. And, uh, and we lived in the parsonage right next to the church, and there were pecan trees all around our house. But you really didn't get much sunlight, and there wasn't a good place to plant a garden. In fact, I think right out behind the house, we planted a few little herbs, and, and uh, not that kind of herb, if that's what you're thinking. Um, a few little uh, culinary herbs, the kind that you cook with, right? Some, some cilantro, some oregano, some basil. Let me clarify, because this is being recorded. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, so not that kind of herb. We plant a few little herbs and uh, and some uh, some uh, some t- tomato plants in a little pot, and, and so we had some house plants. We had a little bit more more space at that time, but we we didn't really plant a garden, right? Then we moved up to Jersey, and here we are renting another house. This huge oak tree in the back. 
it was beautiful oak tree, but it got a lot of shade. We had this little deck on the back where it was a great place. So I got some plants and put them in a little pot and tried to grow them there. And a limb fell off the oak tree and crushed the deck and the plants killed everything. Um, it, it was awful. Uh, my little garden that I was trying to start in pots just, just didn't work. We didn't, we didn't plant a garden there either. Then we came back here to East Point, right? And we bought a house. And I bought a chainsaw, right? <laughs> and I began cutting stuff down and clearing the land, right? Since I was going to plant a garden. So all last summer and all through the winter, when I cleared out this space, and this year I planted a garden. I've been eating cucumbers and tomatoes and got some good herbs in my garden. Not that, no, no, no. I'm trying to sneak in my fence. We got dogs. It's not that kind of herb, all right? Um, but yeah, we, we planted a garden. We, we, we settled down, right? See, gardening is symbolic for settling down. Jesus says to the Israelites, there, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, live as though you're going to be there for a long time, right? Live as though you're going to be there for a long time. Now, maybe you're asking this question, and I know for me, I ask this question when I read that passage. How could God say that? God's supposed to be my rescuer. God's supposed to be my deliverer. God's supposed to bring me out of this situation. And God does say, I know the plans I have for you. I mean, it is there. But the reality is God is with us. And this is how God says this. God is with us in the troubled times. God is with us in the troubling times times. God is with us in the times when we're suffering and feel more pain than we've ever experienced. And there's glory there for God and there's good there for this world. You see, the reality is this, that we will never experience God's full power over our situation if we're constantly running around looking for a way out of our situation. If we're too busy looking for what's next, when is my change coming? We'll never fully experience what God wants to do in the midst of our situation. You see, God wants to do some powerful things. He wants to prove himself in some mighty ways. But we don't give him an opportunity when we're constantly looking for, when am I leaving this place? Because it's difficult here. It's hard here. God is saying, settle your mind down there. Right? Plant a garden. Live as though you're going to be there a long, long time. And you'll discover what true joy is about. A couple of, couple of weeks ago, we finished up a series where we were talking about joy. And we looked at it, and we'll experience this even in our own life. We looked at the reality is that we don't find joy in pursuing things, right? We find this kind of temporary happiness. You get a new car. I remember getting a new car was just like, I mean, I, that was just like Christmas morning when I was a little kid. Right? You got a new car. It was just, you were excited about it. There were different things that excited you. I, I went, my phone is, um, if you ever called me on my phone, um, uh, my phone is having some problems where it's going in and out right now. Like people are talking, I'm talking to people and they're like, I can't hear you. And then they can hear me. And then, cause then I started talking louder and they're like, you're shouting in my ear. My phone's having issues. So I went to AT&T the other day and I, and I went to AT&T and I was hoping to see this phone that I really wanted. And as I went, you know, you go through and you just start playing with all the different phones so i'm going through and i'm playing with all the different phones trying to find the phone i want and no phone really jumped out to me right because if you have a smartphone smartphones are now there was a time when the iphone was like all the rage and you went in and it was like oh, i can't wait for the day i can afford that um 
And now smartphones are almost just like smartphones, right? They're not a, a novelty anymore. They're kind of getting, getting old. Um, and yeah, they're, they're constantly trying to make improvements and they're constantly bashing Apple for not making improvements. But the reality is they've, the technology has almost advanced to, its, to the place that it's, that it's going to advance. At least that's the way it seems to me. Um, maybe I'm just boring. Um, but, 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 but what we see here is that, the, I don't know, I don't even remember where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going somewhere with that, though. Um, but, but the reality is that, <laughs> that life gets boring real quick uh, sometimes, and, and some people are always looking for what's next. Um, in, in this world, there are people who are, there's two different kinds of people, right? There, there are people who are settlers, Right. And settlers are probably like, I don't know what you're talking about. I like my phone. Right. My flip phone is just fine. Um, uh, So there's people who are settlers and then there's people who are pioneers. There's people who are always looking for that new technology, that new thing. They're always pursuing it. And the way that we're wired affects the way we live in difficult times. Right. There's some people that just want to settle there and they get comfortable there. And as long as they're comfortable, the world could be falling down around them. But as long as they're comfortable with their phone, they're okay, Right. Um, And then there's other people that are pioneers that are always looking for what's next. Now, here's, here's the thing I want you to hear, hear with that, is that, that settlers will often miss what God is calling them to do because they're comfortable and they really don't want to hear it, right? Because God is calling them to take risk, move to different places, endure hardship, right? Make, go to a place that's uncomfortable for you. Pioneers will often miss what God is wanting to do in their life because they're always wanting what's new. They're always looking for change, they're always saying, what next can I do for God? What next will God have me to do? What place is God going to take me next? And what God is saying here is, settle down. Settle down. Build houses. Plant gardens. Settle there. And so I don't know where you are in life and what's going on in particular in your life and in your situation. And I don't know how you're feeling about the place that you are in life. Um, But I want you to hear this, and that's that settle down does not necessarily mean settle, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that this is all God wants for you and there's never change going to happen. But God does bring about change in our lives, right? He's not saying settle with what you have. You don't have to leave here today depressed and saying, oh, you know, this is all I, all there is to my life. I'm going to be here for 70 years and be depressed for all the days to come. God's not saying that. He's not saying settle, but he's saying settle down. Live as though you're going to be here for a while because there are some things that God wants to do in you. There's some things that God wants to teach you through this situation, whatever it is that you're going through. And there's some things that God wants to do through you for his glory and for the good of the world. And so maybe it's a job that you're in and you're like, oh, man, I just can't wait till I get out of this place. And yeah, maybe God does have another job in store for you and it's just on the horizon. Or maybe you're going to be where you are for the next 70 years. The reality is we don't want to look back and say, I wasted so much time wanting this. What's next that God had for me? that I didn't take advantage of the opportunities that were here in my space, in this place where God had me at that moment. 
And we don't want to say, oh, I have spent so much time wishing, longing for yesterday, right? All my troubles seem so far away. Oh, how I, right? We don't want to say that either. And say, I didn't take advantage of the space that God had me in. But the thing that the scripture is teaching us is that we're called to be different. And different means living differently in whatever space that we're in. You see, the reality is, if I'm going to make a difference in this world, I must live differently. If I'm going to make a difference in this world, I must live differently. If I'm going to make a difference in this world, then I must live differently. You see, difference, this series, these messages begin with this message. I, we, must live differently. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you've uh, spoken to us through Jeremiah chapter 29. Yeah, and, and it's a hard message for some of us to hear. But God, you are able to comfort us in this space. And so God, I just pray that we're able to let go whatever is holding us back from settling here, wherever we are. But God, even as we settle, God, we want to be ready for what you have in store for us. So help settling not mean closing our mind to opportunities and places that you would bring us to. But just being okay where we are. And not missing opportunities for your glory and for the good of the world wherever we are. God, please help us to settle. But not to settle with things the way they are. May we work for change, work for your glory, work for the good. See your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.